0: Welcome to another edition of the Trees and Lines podcast. Today, we welcome back Beth Lay, Director of Safety and Human Performance at Lewis Tree Services, and Chris Paglia, VP Safety, Health, and Environmental at a very large electric utility in the Northeast. Tej and I will be speaking with Chris and Beth to hear about the safety challenges and lessons learned as these two companies together faced a once-in-a-generation storm. So please listen to what I think you will find to be a fascinating conversation.
1: Uh, welcome to another episode of Trees and Lines. Uh, we have an old friend joining us in Beth Lay from uh, Lewis. Welcome, Beth. And uh, a new guest, Chris Paglia. Chris, I hope I'm saying your last name correctly. Um, who is a vice president of safety, health and assurance with a, for a large Northeast utility. Um, offline, I already poked, uh, Chris on the Celtics losing in game seven. So I'm not going to try to do it in, a, in the recording much. Many thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but today's going to be a pretty interesting, um, episode. It's going to be something a little bit different. Um, I believe both Chris and Beth, uh, at one point were kind of dealing with, uh, an event. You know, in the market that that was um, kind of affecting a part of the Northeast, and so they had a lot of sort of exposure to something uh, that they're going to share with us today. Possibly some lessons learned. Um, you know, how to approach emergency-related events. Um, and we will also want to kind of dig into Chris's background a little bit. Um, as he is sort of a senior person in industry and safety. Safety, of course, being such an important topic for the entire utility and industrial space um but it's always something that i think people have their hard times getting their arms around so would love to sort of you know get chris's take on the diagnostic view of of safety so uh enough about enough enough for me sorry <laughs> folks so welcome 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 thank you great to be here um yeah awesome phil i mean what do you think we just want to dive right in
0: yeah let's drive in let's ask chris and Beth, again, to give us a little introduction on them, and then let's talk about uh, this event from last year. Yeah, of course. Chris, you give us a little background. Uh, sure. Uh, so, Chris Paglia,
2: um, I've been in the utility industry about 18 years, and in such, I've had the opportunity to change my roles uh, a number of different times, um, working in customer and finance and operations and emergency management and safety. Um and so, um, in those, um, those different roles i have come to, you know, understand uh, a lot of the uniqueness, I guess, uh, of, that we have as a utility industry. And one of the things that I have found that's, I think quite unique is, um, the amount of sharing and learning that we do with peer utilities, but also, um, how I got to meet back and, um, as uh, someone working in um, line clearance, I got to meet Beth, and um, you know, some of our background is similar, and um, we got the opportunity to partner recently on a presentation around uh, a storm event. And so, Beth, maybe I'll, I'll hand it to you there.
3: Sure. And uh, so maybe I'll just expand a little bit on what you said about our background being similar. Chris and I were on a, a video call and I noticed a book on the bookshelf that you see behind him right now on resilience engineering. And, you know, from the last podcast, we talked some about what that is and that that's uh, that's my background. So I'm the director of resilience and reliability at Lewis. And I if it's OK with you, I'll give it give you a little a background on how this all came together.
1: Sure. So, Absolutely.
3: Chris and I found ourselves at a human performance conference in January, and it was just after, uh, winter storm Elliot had, had hit Buffalo over Christmas. And it was somewhat serendipitous, I think, that we found ourselves together because I had just heard the story from our frontline workers of their experiences during that storm, which were uh, shocking, to put it mildly. Um, So we began to talk about their experiences, uh, the experience that Chris and his team had, and what we might do about it. So that kind of kicked off this whole, um, our whole conversations about it and what we've been working on together. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the event, because it wasn't just your a snowstorm, right? It was more than that.
3: Yeah. And, you know, it might be interesting, because I think one of the, the things that uh the value of us working together on it is hearing the story from different perspectives, that you get a, a a more complete vision of what happened. So, Chris, I'm going to defer to you, if that's okay, to tell your version of the storm.
2: Yeah. So I think... At Christmas time, it was something like seventy five percent of the United States was under some kind of winter storm warning. Um, so no matter where you were, you were probably preparing for or aware of the you know, significant weather that was coming across the um the whole of the u s and so, um I apologize if you have some jingling in the background it's it's my dog with his bell <laughs> <laughs> I love it um, so you know, we prepare, uh, utilities in general are prepared for all types of emergency events, but, you know, so winter storm comes along and, you know, we, um, you know, pre- began preparing for, um, an event that was going to hit the entire Northeast, uh, you know, uh, with a, uh, a nor'easter. And, um, and that's exactly what got delivered <laughs> was a very significant, um, snow event that, um, you know, went right through the holidays. And that's always the other consideration is not just, you know, what are we going to get hit for with weather, but what's the timing and, and impacts to, to, um, to customers.
3: And for us, um, we, so we, our operations spanned from Texas uh, all the way to the to the northeast, so basically uh, all across the U.S. And as this storm was coming in, we started getting calls for crews. And all in all, at one point in time, we were supporting more than 20 customers with crews for storm, and that's highly unusual. And so as it started getting close to uh, Buffalo, we were really worried about having enough leadership since the, the storm was going to run into the holidays. That was one of our main concerns. It turned out that that wasn't the problem for us at all, though.
2: I remember waking up that morning. Still, so I'm in um, Massachusetts, and when I woke up that morning, my outdoor thermometer read 20 below. Wow. Wow. And um, I, my, my i saw news reports that it was
0: you know down to 70 below with wind chills in some areas in New York. It's amazing so what were these shocking experiences
3: well i think um one of the things that as the storm was coming up there were different um there were different predictions of how bad it was going to be and there was one one newscast that's really stood out for me that said watch out for this holiday inflatables um and then there were others n- newscasts that were saying this is going to be really bad so you had a a pretty wide divergence in people's predictions of how bad the storm was going to be. And so um, we, Lewis, we got through the storm and uh, we got through it and we got through it really well, uh, in, no injuries. And I actually went out to uh, interviews uh, some of our workers to ask them, what did we do that enabled us to do so well on the storm? And it was part of those interviews that, um, the real situation, the tough situation that our frontline workers who were out there faced showed up. And, uh, we actually have a, we've created kind of a cool video of, uh, of us uh, telling, of them telling their story. But just to give you a couple of examples, um, at one point they couldn't, they were still deployed right they're still they're still out there they're parked in their trucks and at one point um it it was coming the snow was coming down so hard they couldn't see across the street but i think the what really struck me was when they said our trucks couldn't keep up and what they meant by that is imagine this the trucks are running uh you know full bore right and you're you're sitting there and you're watching your fuel gauge go down and your windows were starting to frost up on the inside so the trucks could not keep up and keep the cab warm it got that mm. cold
1: well wow.
2: yeah that temperature uh strange things start to happen like diesel starts to um gel up uh become gummy um and so you know, those types of things that you we wouldn't normally experience in in the uh the lower forty eight here. Maybe they're they're more familiar with them, you know, further up north.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, well I'm from I'm from Toronto, so um that that event just confirmed for me that uh, you know the move to Texas was 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 a good one. <laughs> um you know, I'm I'm always interested in like lessons learned, right? So you know, what you guys saw, how you prepared for it. And it sounds like, you know, the collective did an excellent job navigating a pretty complex situation. Um, Chris, maybe you can kind of shed, you know, by looking at that event and preparing for what may come, you know, in the future, what would you guys do differently to um, set up your teams uh, to prepare for, you know, all the things that are necessary to kind of work through something like that? So in, in
2: emergency management, we, we generally follow, um you know, there's pre-planning, mobilization, restoration, and then lessons learned. So as, and, and we, yeah, you know, most utilities, I would say, follow that emergency management type cycle. And so when we're in, you know, post-event or even blue sky days, we're looking to see what, could, what can we do to learn and improve? And I think one of the things that that came out clearly, you know, in, in meeting with Beth is how do you, how do um we and, and they and, and vendors partner better together to understand here's what our expectations are, right? So we, we know within the utility, here's what we're preparing for and, um, our capabilities internally. And then similarly, do we know that, uh, our vendors have the same types of uh, capabilities? Are they exercising or preparing in the same way and having those, um, Relationships in advance to be able to, to confirm that, yeah, you know, what, what we're receiving is fit for purpose and, um, it'll be able to, um, be resilient enough to, uh, work through whatever surprises that they may encounter.
3: The other thing that we talked about, which I'm excited about is after, so after the event, you typically do an after-action review and we do after-action reviews as well. And we've talked about joining and doing a joint after-action review after the event.
1: I think that's great. Um, and and that's definitely something that, because you have so many stakeholders um, I think the, yeah, the coordination, the quarterbacking uh, in advance seems like a, a great thing to kind of prepare for in the, in the future. You know, here's a, Maybe this is a slight, uh, you know, detour, but just a quick question on this. Um, given that Kristen, you framed it because this event was hitting the U S or expecting to hit the most of the U S, right? And so all of your neighboring states, was there, uh, did you guys run into a bit of a labor shortage or was it like a fighting for resources to kind of solve your localized problem? Or were, did you guys already in advance have like a queue lined yeah. up?
2: So in advance, in that pre-planning stage, you know, we're, we're looking at the weather and trying to understand where are those impacts going to be and what resources to, you know, are we going to need? What do we already have and where do, where do we need to supplement? And, yeah, you know, another great thing about the industry, and you know, I mentioned the sharing, there's all in advance, there's already um, mechanisms for um, companies to share crews. They call it mutual assistance from you know, one utility to the next and that can be um that starts before an event happens and then during an event the same thing continues and so you know, use, use the word fighting it's not really fighting it's you know where is the most need and how do we partner to make sure that at the time that you know we can release we were able to release to you know, other utilities or that are are in need um, and so, you know, that happens and that worked throughout the event. And it, in fact, um, we had, I think it was almost double the number of, of crews that we would normally have uh, wow. for that, for that type of event. Um, but the, you know, going back to the weather, as Beth indicated, the, the weather for that event was expected to be as bad as, um, the blizzard of, it was 78. And that's certainly what I remember in, um, Massachusetts that we compared to as kind of the benchmark. We've had a couple that have already hit that, but for some reason that, that 1978 sticks in everyone's mind. Right. And, um, and similarly in New York, that was a, you know, a benchmark for them. And essentially it was met. I mean, what was, was forecast came along. Um, the winds were significantly more elevated than were expected. Yep. And so that caused significant drifting. So, Bill, you mentioned, you know, seven feet of snow. Yeah, that was certainly the case. And it was also, it was packed so hard, it wasn't plowable in many cases, right? So you think about, yeah, you get a snowstorm, you get a bunch of uh, plow trucks out there and they're able to clear the snow. But when it's packed that hard, you need front-end loaders to pick up and physically move that snow and... That, that was, yeah, something, that was a surprise, right? We, we were expecting, okay, we're going to be able to plow snow around and, and go and do what we normally do. But, you know, to, to the logistics of getting a front end loaders and being able to move that snow to be able to then go, you know, location by location to have, um, uh, tree crews come in and then line crew, crews come in is quite the coordinated effort.
3: Yeah, I think another way that we were surprised was by how rapid the conditions changed. So our folks went from wearing sweatshirts to brutal cold within an hour. And when the blizzard hit, they went from having some visibility to zero visibility in a flash. And so I, one of the challenges that we faced is uh with our crews, they were still deployed. So they were still trying to work and they're, they're calling back to their general foreman who were uh, staged at the storm center saying, it's getting really bad out here. And yet they were still trying to work. And so then they were given the orders to stand down, stand down where you are. And in the meantime, the blizzard hit hard then. And so they started saying, wait a second. We think we need to get to the hotels, but it was, it was almost too late at that point. Some folks did get back to the hotels, but other folks did not get back to the hotels.
1: Wow. What, and, what ha- and what happened to those folks? Like what, they just had to kind of hunker down?
3: All of our folks ultimately got back to the hotel, but there were uh, two crews that were stuck out the longest. And what happened to them is they were sitting there and they were debating and there was a whole lot of conversations about do they try to move or do they not try to move? They only had to go six miles, but it took them almost two hours ultimately to get six miles. And as their, uh, as their truck started getting colder and colder on the inside, they said, we've got to make a break for it. So there was a little, uh, there was a band. The band had moved on in the snow, so they made a break and tried to get back to the hotel and they, they ultimately make it. Um, but from what I heard, crews from other vendors were stuck out. And so, you know, uh, the general foreman at the storm center getting these calls from the crew saying we're stuck. And at that point, they're trying to figure out what to do. They were trying to figure out if there was a warm place that they could walk to. Um, and at that time, folks were still saying call nine one one. We'll try to get someone out to rescue you. But at in Buffalo, at that point in time, there were no rescuers coming to rescue anyone. Yeah. So they were stuck. Right. Right.
2: You know, best mentioned, you know, how, how quickly the change in weather happened. And that's something that we've, been experiencing fairly a uh, much more common not just here but across the u.s right so you mentioned that you're in texas tex and yeah, you had you've had your share of that recently and um so what we're seeing um from the impacts of, of climate change is making those events um less predictable i mean we we can see when they're coming yep. but then what's delivered is all yep. often you, you know not in line with what's what can even be predicted. So yep. when we go back to preparing for surprise. And, what, and when we did this um, talk back in January, we pulled in a bunch of concepts from um, resilience, and um, surprise was was one of them. Yeah, how do we recognize that as much as we can prepare? there are things that are going to be ha- that are going to happen that we're not quite prepared for so how do we flex in the moment to be able to um to be ready for that and adapt quickly to be able yeah. to um you know recover and so that that climate change piece is something that's happening much more um uh, significantly yeah one of the the um the models that I had shared, um, it's a model around uncertainty. And so one way of thinking about uncertainty is having, um, a number of different factors and how those factors relate to each other and the rate at which those factors change. So, you know, from a utility perspective, you have the organization that goes through change over, over time. And that could be, you know, workforce and, um, the longevity of individuals, capital knowledge that, that the organization has. Then you have, you know, climate change is certainly a, another factor. Um, customer perception is a factor. You know, at one time there was, uh, yeah, you know, if I'm thinking back decades, right? People could be without power and, you know, they didn't have the same sentiment that they do today, or if they're mm-hmm. out of power for, you know, minutes, you know, it's when am I going to get my power back on? So that perception has changed. And then uh, the regulatory um uh, framework and environment, that has a rate of change. So the way that these intersect with each other and how quickly creates a, a level of, of complexity.
1: And so that climate change one, we're seeing change very quickly. It, it would help actually, Chris, for us to kind of understand, especially, you know, in the role that you play the organizational structure of your particular utility, like wh- what do you kind of report up into is, is, is the, being the vice president of safety, health and assurance, like, is that organizationally into like a power delivery sort of group? Are you reporting into the a corporate structure? Like, are you responsible for all utility safety or, yeah. are, okay. So yeah. my lens is, um,
2: uh, we have multiple business units. And so I'm in the, the new England, uh, business unit and, um, reporting up through operations um there is uh when we have a storm however the we have implemented incident command structure you know, very similar to uh NIMS ICS for, for those are, are familiar with it so our organization will flex with whatever emergency um is that being we're being faced with which is pretty common I think in most um utilities and, and industries today is you know that it's it's a great framework to be able to um, expand or contract based on whatever the the incident is so whether it's a storm or um, any other type of emergency you can use that same framework um, and so safety and health we we certainly have a, a spot in that that framework but typically uh, our
1: incident commander would be someone in operations that would lead the event I see okay interesting the you, you brought up like you know the regulatory sort of overlay as a variable right and you know our study of the market when we look at utilities like whether you're coming from the west coast to the east coast event driven things wildfires storms um whatever the case may be whatever the utility is facing has really impacted uh budgets right so we've seen expansion of basically utility budgets to allocate to to making sure that there's enough dollars in place to prepare for these type of events right um how have you seen that impact uh for you guys in your local territory as the regulatory agencies have they been receptive to the idea of like holy cow like this happened this could happen again you know is there enough funding to support this and you know the rate case etc
2: yeah so there's um there's mechanisms in place for uh when an a, a, a storm hits so that we can um be able to you know capture those costs relative to that event and then um go to the regulator and show that any costs were incurred um prudently and appropriately and um, be able to recover those over some period of time. So not all, not all utilities have that. Um, we've had them in place here in, uh, the Northeast for quite some time because, um, you, you know, it's, you wouldn't say that it's unique to us, but with the, the amount of vegetation that we have oh, in yeah. the Northeast, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to have, uh, storms that impact our lines. Whereas, um, I, I can't say how prevalent those mechanisms are in, say, the central part of the country, although they may be starting to get more common. Um, the amount of of storms that we have compared to to others seems to at least over the past ten years have been significant up here, but now we're starting to see it widespread, right? We've seen right. the, tor- oh, yeah. the shifts of tornadoes from you know, where they were, they're starting to move more towards, towards the coast, even, um, and, wildfires and, uh, landslides out in California. So generally there's, you know, some sort of mechanism in place in advance to know, um, you know, how you can go about having expenditures, but again, making sure that prudently occurred to be able to, uh, seek recovery. That's fair.
0: So both of you, uh, are interested in sharing with your peers from this event? What's the one or two takeaways you'd like them to, if you had to share something with peers?
3: Well, in my um, in my major takeaway is that more extreme storms are coming, and what we've done to prepare in the past is is not enough, and so we need to prepare differently. And we can prepare differently because resilience engineering, when you start applying some of those concepts and ideas, it is a whole different way. Uh, it, it supplements traditional planning would probably be a better way to put it. So I think it's important that we form strong partnerships and we figure out how we can prepare differently. Um, and when we led our workshop, we had some ideas about that. So we kind of Talked about some structures that we could put in place, but I'd love to see us come together. Um, and when I say us, I mean utilities and, um, the contract partners and come together and really talk about what do we need to do different? Because for us, uh, we got lucky and I'm just going to put that out there. We got lucky. And oddly, uh, one reason we got lucky is because the storm went over Christmas. So our crews brought extra food, extra fuel, things like that, because it was Christmas. But um, if we hadn't done that, things could have been a lot worse for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your transparency on that. Like it's, um, you know, it's uh, to kind of relate this back to like a market event sort of deal, like from trading or investing, you know, it's, you know, being lucky doesn't mean that you were expecting you know what was going to happen so um i think it's important to recognize when you are lucky um divorce yourself from that and say okay like how do we implement a system of structure something that allows us to anticipate and chris like um the way you had described that like those set of variables and all the things rate of change i thought was very very interesting it was a a, a different way of thinking about it. i never quite thought about it that way that was pretty
0: interesting um yeah. So I have a question. I'm just thinking of opening my garage door and facing seven feet of snow. <laughs> what are do you doing? <laughs> <it? laughs> How do you get out of your garage? Uh, yeah, so a lot of people were
2: uh, shut into their homes for several days. It's talked to a long colleague who um, didn't leave their, their house for four or five days. And yeah. so, you, you know, it was... It was, um, it was really a problem of a community, right? It wasn't just, you know, Beth and I talking about you know, utility and, and line clearance, but there were, um, you know, a lot of, um, agencies that had to come together to, to help out the community in, in various ways. But it's true, it's, you know, it, it is something that as citizens, we should all think about is what's our plan in an emergency right and you know we always talk about yeah, having your having your own personal you know, family emergency plan what do you do to be able to you know get out of your house what do you have to do if you have to stay in your house for a period of time do you have everything that you need in order to do that
0: right it's interesting you know the challenges of the past aren't or uh, they're going to be bigger in the future is what you're saying and, yeah uh, Don't don't always think about that
3: they're gonna be bigger, and they're gonna be faster yeah
0: yeah before uh before we kind
1: of wrap up today, I know Beth and, and in a previous episode, we kind of dove a little bit into your background and the motivations for why you went into to this space Chris, for you, um eighteen years in the space, it feels like you had a bit of a deliberate path in in safety, emergency response, et cetera. Was it organic or were you like, hey, I'm fascinated by you know? being surrounded by events and how you tackle these, these type of problems, et cetera. Like the reason I asked that question is because you've got a lot of young folks coming up, right. uh, Who are, you know, entering the utility industry and, you know, contractors, et cetera. And they have to pick a path. Um, And so, you know, is it something that people can prepare for, or is it something that once you're inside, you know, you kind of move around and you get exposed to it more in a practical setting. Like for you, what was it? And how do you sort of help the future? so um
2: there's the there's this idea of uh you can be a uh, technical specialist or a generalist generalist and at one point, I thought I was uh, gonna be a technical specialist um and then i I realized that I'm just a curious person by nature, mm-hmm. and you know after I kind of dive down into something and and learn a bunch about it, I end up kind of in offshoots and wanting to learn more about something else. And so I made a conscious decision at one point um, that I wanted to take more of a, a generalist type role. And um one of the things that I what I what I mentor folks, what I share with them is uh, you know, this analogy. If you're driving down the road and um, you know, you're staying in your lane and you consider that lane a technical specialist, you can only go as fast as the car that's in front of you. Right. You end up yeah, 100%. picking up a lot of the scenery that's along the way. But sometimes you got to wait for that car in front of you to move before you can you can move forward. Uh, whereas if you are more of a generalist, you get to change lanes. You know, you can make lateral moves, and sometimes that that affords you to move uh, adventure your career career quicker. So the ruin that I landed in safety. Um, I was working in. Um, I guess I'll give you the quick story. So I, I was working in finance for a long period of time. I thought I would be um, working in finance as a technical specialist. And then that's when I decided to, you know, become more of a um a generalist. And so I made a decision uh to change my uh, scope of work very significantly and went into to at the time um, nobody knew what a business uh, continuity plan was, and so I took on a role to implement business continuity plans and lo and behold, you know four or five years later, I was implementing a pandemic plan um yeah, yeah. so um, during that time or shortly after that time i I found myself getting more involved in emergency management and then um in operations i think that 's about the time that I met Beth and i i found it fascinating you know to understand why uh people make decisions the way um they make what why do they make them but also what drives people to make decisions what are those external factors that um you know system factors that influence decisions whether people know it or not and that led me into world of you know uh, safety and behavioral science and human organizational performance and yeah. um so that led me to where I am. So oh, very it's cool. a long way to answer your question. No, no, it's a great. And Pish has a great.
0: parallel career path. I do. Finance, and we're making him a veg manager now.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my my hands have been in a lot of places. But I yeah, I like how you sort of articulated that. The uh, I, I I'm more of a generalist as well. I'm curious. I like to be able to move around. And I'm agnostic to problem solving. Like, if it's a problem I'm interested in solving it so whether that's in discipline A discipline B so um yeah no I have what what you were saying resonates very much with me um I think as this younger population starts to come up um you know I I'm always interested especially as we look at this broad industry in the sector there's you know there's so many important elements of it um but what we find sometimes um as as a business builder is that there's these micro shortages you know, you've got someone like Beth and Chris who have amassed this incredible knowledge and they're in a position to solve very complex problems. But so much of that is based on your developed lens. And you can't just like, you know, we can't just swap Chris out and put in Bill or Jane or Tom, you know what I mean? Because like, there's a certain responsibility and, and need that goes with that. So like, I'm always kind of curious how one prepares for that, the backfilling of those type of lenses and skills. Like, is it something that you have to be deliberate about or is there enough organic people moving into those roles, that kind of thing? So,
2: yeah. So it's, yeah, I go back to that that model that I gave you with the different factors and one of them is organizational change. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, it's true as, as a leader, how are you, you know, you, one measure of a leader is are you developing other leaders so you gotta look across the organization and understand how can you move folks to challenge them but
1: also so that you can set up the organization to that's right to move forward yeah the continuity of that yeah absolutely well this was a super fascinating chat um bath chris really uh thank you very much for you know joining us today and kind of digging into to, to that event and uh, i'm glad you know you guys came out of it whether it was lucky or skill there's a lot of combination of many things but it sounds like you guys handled it really really well um and thanks for sharing uh some of these these great insights today this was this was pretty awesome thank you thanks for the opportunity yeah, yeah. thanks for so us. It. And, thanks. Yeah. And, and sorry about the celtics dig early uh, that's <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it's 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 payback i know yeah you, uh, you, you yeah you got the red socks you can lead on now so yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Beth, great to see you um looking good forward to see seeing you too again soon.
3: Yeah, I hope
1: so. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com. We'll chat with you soon.